Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. And in this podcast, I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week, I'm talking to Mark Underwood, the MD of Staffline Recruitment. Mark was introduced to me as, he's just awesome, he's such a cool guy. And I couldn't agree more. In my book, Leading Through Uncertainty, I state that, and I quote, it takes an exceptionally skilled leader to balance the energy of driving results with the softness of nurturing in complete harmony. Mark's one of the few people I've met who seems to have mastered it. He's a thoroughly engaging, interesting and insightful leader who is entrepreneurial in leading a huge business of 50 to 60,000 people. Yeah, he knows that it's people that are the lifeblood of the business. So it's people that he's engaging to create those results. He's totally inspiring. Have a listen. Welcome, Mark. Thank, Hi. thank you for joining me today. Uh, can you explain who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, Mark Underwood, uh, husband of Lydia, dad of two young girls. Um, and what I do is... Uh, I'm the Managing Director of Staffline Recruitment, which is um, the market leader, largest blue-collar uh, workforce provider in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, we employ anything up to, on peak days, 60,000 workers. Um, makes us one of the largest 50, in the top 50 employers in the UK. Um, so uh, we're not as well known as, as most of the... Uh, top 50 largest employers in the UK, but certainly uh, in terms of employment, a really sizable business Mm. that that I'm responsible for. And what are your experiences of uncertainty? I guess uh, 2008 was the first one which always springs to mind, and it's hard to believe it's 10 years ago already, Um, but it lives long in the memory, that one, because um, I was running my own business at the time. And I remember the um, obviously the financial crash was was being well talked about, um, and I remember sitting down with uh, my colleagues at the time for a quarterly uh, financial review to wonder what the hell was going on mm. because um, we had over that quarter lost probably thirty, maybe maybe more, maybe approaching forty percent of our order book had wow. just completely disintegrated. As a result of the crash? As a result of the financial crash, yeah. One of the first things that gets cut is temporary labour. Mm-hmm. Um, I was providing, not on the scale we are today, it was a, a business that I since sold to Starfline actually, but um, so it was a regional recruitment business, but to lose you know, that amount of business overnight effectively. Mm. Um, of course, we didn't know then how long that would last for, so how to restructure. Um, we knew that we would need, obviously would need to trade out of it, so there was mm. only so much you could do to respond quickly. But mm-hmm. clearly, there was a requirement to act quickly. Um, so that was my my first uh, real time of uncertainty in terms of in a leadership role, um, and particularly challenging because it's your business too. Yeah. Had, yeah, had yeah. you set it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd uh, so you were emotionally very invested in it. Yeah, we were eight years into uh, uh, growing a business that had grown phenomenally year mm. on year, mm. and. Uh, First time ever, we we weren't exceeding budget targets, and in actual fact, not only were we not exceeding them, we the business, the sales revenue had fallen off a cliff. Mm. Um, customers were in uncertain 
uncertain uncharted territories themselves mm. and and therefore that uh, that was passed on to us so and what was the know. mood like i mean what was your mood and what was the mood around you both in your organization and and your customers uh i guess foggy um hard to see mm. where, what was what was the right course of action to take at that given time mm. um and I think that's the challenge of uncertainty, isn't it? Absolutely. Is that you actually don't know what the course of action is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, what I've taken from that is the need for agility, I mm. guess. Um, we were, being a privately owned business, we could make really quick on-the-spot decisions, and we right. did make quick decisions, and that got us through it and out the other side of it um, mm. successfully. Um, had we have had layers of bureaucracy and uh, governance that meant... Uh, slower decision making mm. we would have really struggled mm. you know the fact that uh, myself and two other partners at the time could make on-the-spot decisions helped us to be decisive which yeah. i think is pretty key and helped us to quite quickly create a new strategy recognizing that the previous strategy that had been so successful for eight years wasn't going to get us through mm. um and we needed to change and you had to move fast yeah very yeah. much so yeah and how did you how did you bring the people with you because it's one thing like being able to change your own mind and being mm -hmm. agile in a smaller business. Mm -hmm. But you've still got people <coughs> yeah. to come with you, customers yeah. and, yeah. and people in the organisation. People's livelihoods, yeah. Yeah. And um, so we, I believe this has held me in good stead throughout my career, actually, to tell people where they stand. Mm -hmm. So um, even if it's bad news, tell people where they stand mm -hmm. um, and don't leave people in unnecessary areas of uncertainty mm. so if you can give people some clarity then do mm. um, so we were open and honest with the workforce and sat them down and said look these are the challenges this is where we are we're going to do everything we can to protect your employment with us um, so we're going to look at redeploying you we're going to talk to our clients and actually we, we had a really successful program where we actually put a number of our direct staff in our clients premises so right. that we contracted them out to work for other people so that we could retain their skills for when we needed them back, mm. but were able to keep them employed um, rather than have to, you know, go through a redundancy mm. process, which um, was a really good, innovative solution actually. That meant that we got the loyalty of the people; mm. they knew where they stood, um, and they were able to continue earning the rate they had, which we supplemented for a period of time. Um, so it worked really well for both parties. But I think the key is to be really clear and upfront with people. I think if you try to hide bad news from people, mm. you lose people's respect really quickly and people see through it anyway. Yeah. So, you know. so did people respect you as, through through that process as you were kind of putting people out into clients? And I sincerely hope yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was a case of we cut and changed everything we could before we looked at people. Mm. So people sh should always be, in my view, the last lever to pull of a business you know, for, for its survival because they're the lifeblood you mm. know um, particularly mm. in the recruitment industry it's uh, mm. irrespective of how strong a brand name above the door it's the person you deal with not not the brand mm. um, and the brand is the experience that's delivered by the people so I always think you know if you can if you can give people that loyalty you tend to get it back mm. So you say the biggest thing that you learned from that was agility. Mm -hmm. How are you bringing that learning into staff life? A great big business like this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. 50,000 um, people. Yeah, yeah. Well, 60 actually. 60. In peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably 50 at the moment. But so the flex is somewhere between 50 and 60,000 people, 400 sites, very spread out. So the workforce, our people tend to be one or two of them based implanted in our customers' premises. So 
they spend more time with our customers than they do with us. So it is a real challenge to have that agility and speed of decision making. Mm. Although what we've got going in our favour is the uh, leadership team at Staffline have always believed in we're in an entrepreneurial sector, so we must maintain that sense of empowerment and give people decision making capabilities and and fight off any bureaucracy mm. um, because we've grown so quickly um, we haven't had to deal with lots and lots of governance so we've been able to retain the fast-paced decision making capabilities of, of a smaller business like mine that I sold mm. um, right up until today mm. so you know I can make decisions very quickly without uh, without you know, having to go and get sign off for things as you'd expect mm. but that's also sort of cascades down the organization where each of our leaders can make decisions that affect their business and right. uh, it needs to be that way because our clients benefit from them being able to be agile and make decisions that are right for both parties mm. and you you say that your workforce is flexing between 50,000 and 60,000 can you, obviously I know a little bit about your business but for the benefit of the listeners can you explain a bit about that profile and why that's flexing sure so we provide large workforces to people who want flexibility themselves so obviously all of our clients uh, have times of uncertainty so I can give you some examples in a bit if you like but mm. um, we provide a personal people that work on a client's premises that provide them with recruitment management training and support with the coordination of a workforce so a lot of our customers have a a proportion anything up to 60 or 50 or 60 percent of their workforce may be temporary seasonal workers mm -hmm. um, and when I say temporary the average life of a worker in staff line now is approaching 40 weeks so it's not mm. like a two-week temp mm. job as you may be associated mm. with um, people work for us for years because we've got such scale that people can pick and choose which which of our end hours they want to work at and it gives them flexibility mm. so more and more now people want flexible working um, mm. and that's what staff line offers so we work on site with great brands we provide them with an outsourced flexible workforce and we provide workers with access to great brands. Great. And um, you mentioned your clients mm -hmm. that are always mm -hmm. working with uncertainty. Have you got a couple of examples without yep. without um, giving away sure. too many yep. uh, trade secrets of your clients? Yeah, well, a lot of them are well-versed. So, um, for example, um, we do... So the sectors we work in are agriculture, food, manufacturing, automotive, logistics... Um, and transport. They're the sort of the key areas in which we operate. Um, and so, for example, automotive at the moment, um, lots of uh, talk, well versed in the media about um, the uh, slowdown in demand for, mm -hmm. for cars in both in the UK and, and across the, uh, the globe. Um, and in particular, the, the changes in policy and changes in customer habits around diesel yeah. engines yeah. Um, and a shift towards um, you know other types of, uh, of fuel mm -hmm. um, and that's that's obviously meant some people benefit because they've had the full sight that that's the direction of travel um, and other manufacturers are struggling mm. so we provide uh, some people with that flexibility that where they need to downsize or they're experiencing a downturn as a result of a change from from diesel to to, to a dual fuel or a hybrid or, mm -hmm. or introducing new models the reason it works so well with us is that they can make an on-the-spot decision to remove a a shift or remove a cohort of workers um, 
fairly seamlessly by just giving us a short period of notice mm-hmm. so that we can redeploy them. And our size and scale is such that we can redeploy those people. We'll put them into another one of our uh, clients. We're able to sort of um, marry up now quieter periods in volume um, for one customer against peaks in demand for another customer so we can move workers around and provide sustainable employment. Mm. But it's great for customers because it means that if they experience a downturn, they can respond by you know, asking us to redeploy people elsewhere, which we then do. Yeah. So so your whole business really is founded on flexibility, adaptability and agility. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And you can see, therefore, why we need to retain that fast-paced uh, decision-making capability so we give leaders, um, you know, empowerment to make on-the-spot decisions because they need to respond mm. in a timely fashion to those types of challenges. Mm. And you can see, then, why somebody like an automotive manufacturer would have a proportion of their workforce that are flexible workers through a provider such as Staffline because mm. we give them that flexibility amongst mm. a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one example. Another one is um, we uh, quite regularly have uh, customers that close a site and open a new one. And um, often those people that work for us are actually permanently employed by us. Um, and we've got examples at the moment where a client's closing a site, uh, there's 300 Staffline workers on the site, uh, 260 or 70 of them are permanently employed by us. Um, uh, for a smaller business, that would potentially pose a problem that you'd have the liability of what we're going to do with those people, mm-hmm. um, potential redundancy cost, as well as bad news of people losing their jobs. Mm. For Staffline, we've got several other sites in the geography, so we've offered people a choice of where else would you prefer to go and work for us, and, and their their permanent employment continues on. Mm. You know, and and how does that affect their ability to align with the culture of Staffline? Because I'm guessing if people are, are working in different organizations and moving around and being flexible Mm -hmm. they're constantly adapting to different values different missions Mm -hmm. different ways of working Mm -hmm. yeah um i think that's part of the beauty of the model actually is that people can get to create a career path and a a cv for themselves because most people come to they don't have a cv Mm. um relatively low skill or unskilled um workforce when they join us Mm -hmm. and the fact that they can work for one of the UK's best thought of brands in any one of the sectors I've described for a period of time and then if if for no other reason other than for the sake of variety can go and work at a competitor to that brand or mm. some, some other environment to experience the different cultural um, differences within each mm. of those organisations is is a real benefit to the, to the workers. And mm. we really do have a portfolio of clients that offer first-class work, but with lots of different types of culture. So there's a, some good insights in that career path as mm. they move around the business. Mm. Um, for our contract staff that are based within our clients' premises, we do find that often they become as in tune, if not more in tune with the client's culture than they do our own. And that's mm-hmm. a challenge for us, that mm-hmm. because we're so spread out, that uh, making sure that the 800 of our direct staff that are based on clients' premises mm. are aware of the culture of staff line, our values, what our vision is for the future. Um, and where they fit in it as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we do that through, um, so I write a, a Monday morning blog to the business every Monday of what we're up to, what we're doing, how we're getting on, progress. We're in the process of uh, implementing Yammer so to communicate via video message, which um, then the leaders of the business will do a similar thing in terms mm-hmm. of a video blog of this is what's happening in my area of the business. Um, but then I guess the key 
for me is that the uh, the old fashioned you know sort of way of looking at a business is hierarchy and organization is that you communicate down and people talk a lot about cascade information actually i think we should kind of think of standing that on its head that mm. we want communication to come from the bottom up so to speak as well as from the top down mm. and actually the this thought that the leadership team exists to help the people in the front line succeed mm. rather than to give them instructions and control mm. interesting so and and um and it's interesting that you can do that with 50 to 60,000 people with a with a constantly changing workforce mm. what would your advice be to other more traditional businesses that are perhaps recognizing they need to be more flexible and agile and there's you know those are words that people use a lot mm -hmm. but but they don't know how mm -hmm. what would your advice be to them um i you are i think it, it has to come from a vision in the first place so you do have to have a clear vision of what it is you're trying to achieve um but for for, for years since the industrial revolution i guess we've we've tried to put processes in that make things make people have to work within parameters mm -hmm. and more and more now everything you you see and read about you know the future requirements of millennials in my view in the workplace is that people need scope and ability to think for themselves mm -hmm. so i think the best advice i can give is don't get too weighed down with process and procedure that make everything according to a process so that people don't have to think and people don't have some flexibility and creativity to mm. to do things their way. So the way we, we tend to work at Staffline is we've got some boundaries and parameters, things like oh, compliance, keeping people safe, um, doing things legally and ethically, mm. but how people get from A to B in terms of their day-to-day -day operations. We try and leave as, as fluid and flexible as we can so that mm. people can innovate. Otherwise, you box people in with you know, a set of company operating procedures that are so rigid that mm. then, then businesses say, why does nobody think for themselves and why don't we get any innovation? Mm. You know. So, and, and it's interesting because, you know, in the, in the past we've, we've tried to proceduralise things in organisations to try and make things simpler. Mm -hmm. Do you think that has stifled innovation? 100%. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, so how it's do, difficult how to unravel do, it, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, how do you unravel that? Well, I think the... It's about getting the right leadership culture that says it's okay for people to try new things and fail because that's where your greatest sense of learning is. Mm. Um, and then it's instilling a culture where people feel safe to try new things and to experiment, it, safe in the knowledge that they're going to be supported because mm. the greatest learning come from if it's not successful. Let's yeah. hope it is successful, whatever you, the people are trying to do. But mm. they've got their manager or leader's support that you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, I mm. guess, and that we'll take learnings from it and move forward and it will help us develop the strategy further. Yeah, because, you know, when, I, when I've worked with, with people before and I've seen that there's a fear culture mm -hmm. and people come to me saying, we want people to be more empowered and more innovative, mm -hmm. but there's this overriding fear culture of you must not get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And the two are really at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. Do you think it helps you as, a, as an MD, having been an entrepreneur and and still being an entrepreneur but having that mindset do you think that has helped you yeah definitely mm. yeah yeah it's um we talk a lot here about growth mindset um and i think being open to learning and lifelong learning is uh is something that i hope i will maintain for the rest of my life mm. um but it's something that i sort of impress on the business as much as possible that we're all learning myself included um 
And I think that creates this sort of sense of humble leadership style and mm. servant leadership that says we're all in this learning journey together. Mm. And I guess it, I'm, I'm 40 and I guess that's relatively young for an MD of a business of this size. Mm. But already I feel that there are people joining my business that know a lot more about some things that I would like to know about, mm. such as technology advancements that we're, we're in a process of a a mass digital transformation of how we work um but kids are using snapchat to talk to one another and i'm not on snapchat mm -hmm. um but clearly i've just seen that uh, some employers are now starting to do campaigns to recruit young people through snapchat because that's the medium that they're communicating on and mm. you know we we've really embraced whatsapp as a a fast quick means of communicating across various parts of the business um, to try and reduce some of the noise of email and so it's it's things like that that mm. keep keep us fresh and and agile and, and keep us moving with new ideas and new innovation that mm. uh, I think are really important that the leadership team don't assume they know the answers mm. most of the, the good ideas don't come from the kind of c-suite or from a boardroom mm. they come from the business so what's the biggest mistake you've ever made Oh, crikey. Um, that you can tell us about. <laughs> or maybe even one you shouldn't tell us about. The biggest mistake I ever made. Blimey. I don't know. I I don't have any real regrets. No. No. And do you think do you think that's because because I'm sure that if you've been learning, it's because you've talked about lifelong learning. I don't see them as so, mistakes. No, well that's interesting, isn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. I get a lot wrong, but I don't see it as mistakes. Yeah, yeah. That's that, and that, yeah. and that's that's the, the 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 interesting thing for me is that when we were talking about innovation and encouraging that kind of failure mm. and mistakes, it's a process of succeeding. It's yes. failure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really big shift for people to make because most people are terrified of screwing up a presentation or mm -hmm. you know even learning yeah 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 and people are afraid to learn mm. I think uh, there's a nice phrase that I've, I've seen kicked about quite a lot lately which is fail fast mm. and I think that mm. sums it up nicely that mm. if you're going to try things and you're going to be what some people would perceive as failing uh, do it quickly and move on from it mm. and only do take the learning from it but don't don't put it down as a as a part of your chapter of your journey or your mm. story that was a failure mm. so so no i i don't have any wow yeah <laughs> yeah i certainly don't register them as that anyway no and i think yeah mm. i think that's that's the interesting yeah. thing mm. so um how do you how do you pass that on to people because i think that's unusual mm. i mean it's the first time that i've sat with somebody and they said oh i don't i haven't made any and and not in an arrogant way but in a just a very mm. genuine Mm. humble way of mm. it's part of the process how do you how do you get other people to adapt that as a behavior because i think if they do you can create that creativity and that innovation and, and that can do attitude and the agility mm. well i guess you know you, you you prod me there for for things i've perhaps not framed as biggest mistakes um that probably were mistakes but they were part of a process. So I've had several of my own businesses, um, some I've sold successfully and done very well out of, and some failed. Mm. Um, but the first business I had, I had for two years, and it failed. Um, I closed it, I got out of it relatively pain-free from a financial point of view. Um, 
but um, I wouldn't have got the next opportunity that presented itself to mm. me had I not have had the entrepreneurial spirit to try that business in the first place. So it was kind of that that passage in life opened another door that probably mm. wouldn't have opened had mm. I not have taken that risk and started a business as an 18-year-old. So, mm. you know, it's, um, yeah, I guess, how do I pass that on? I think it's important for people to feel safe at work, safe mm. that they can try things. Um, I certainly, that was a tough time. You know, mm. I was a I was a 20-year-old, I had a business for two years and, and had to close what, what something that I aspired to make a success of, you know. Mm. Um, but then I went on to the it's next. Bruising. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and looking back, it was it was not only a passage to the next opportunity; it was character building, and I did take the learning from it. So mm. as long as people do that, it's it's okay to fail. As long as you recognise it as being character building, and you take the learning with you from mm. it. And I think the other the other word that I noticed that you've used quite a lot is the word safe. That people need to feel safe mm-hmm. and. We don't very often talk about that in the workplace. We talk about safety in terms of, you know, in a manufacturing environment or, yeah. you know, people yeah. out on the yeah. road PPE workers or, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, the kind of mm-hmm. those those industries we talk about physical safety a lot. And mm-hmm. I think more recently the mental health agenda is rising. So we're talking more about emotional safety. Mm-hmm. But what you're pointing to is more psychological safety. Absolutely. How do we how do we just feel safe being able to do mm-hmm. work in the way that we want to do it? How, what's, what would your advice be to somebody that perhaps doesn't feel safe? I think it would depend why they don't feel mm. safe. I think the... How do you think we create our own safety? So, as leaders, do we really care about the people that work in the organisation? Um, I think that's the key to it. I, th- mm. I hope that people at Staffline feel safe because they know that I and the rest of the leadership team care as much about them mm. um, as we do about our results. Mm. Because if we care for them and they feel safe, our results are as they are, which is mm. outstanding year on year. Mm. Um, but, you know, I must have been to over a thousand companies throughout my time in this job. And uh, you can tell quite quickly just from a small space of time in businesses where maybe there isn't that level of safety and security of you know of people and, mm. and value mm. placed on people mm. you know. and what and what do you notice where that's missing um people do just enough um people are not engaged in the company's mission mm. often people don't even know the company's mission mm. you know it's not obvious what the company's trying to achieve mm. um so yeah i think it's that sense of uh it's directly linked to employee engagement that, mm. that you know mm. people people feel safe and they feel they can be their best self at work mm. which is hard to, to make happen people mm. really feeling they can be their best self in the workplace then uh people want to get out of bed and come to work in the morning mm. which the two are hand in hand to me yeah and it's an interesting one because um you know in when you start right from being a small child we're taught not to be ourselves because we you know we laugh too loud or mm-hmm. we should sit down and not play up in class so mm-hmm. you know how how do you encourage people to make that shift from an education environment where they are actually told mm-hmm. what to do and how to do it and when to do it mm-hmm. to stepping into the workplace well don't do what i did and play up in class the whole time that probably, <laughs> probably didn't do me much good particularly when i got to parents evening but um now i uh joking aside i think the education system should reflect this i think that there's much more we can do um to give people that level of learning and the ability to 
play, learn through play and, mm. and learn through mm. other ways. And I think, in fairness, my, I've got two young kids in education and, mm. and, it, and it does seem to be evolving mm. and, and they do seem to be waking up to, to new ways of encouraging people to experiment through learning. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, that should certainly be, be filtered through the business. But like I say, for probably 50 years, organisations have tried to limit people's uh, experimentation mm. because mm. they've wanted, you know, things like, uh, lean manufacturing, for example, mm-hmm. and um, you know pr- production. The whole concept of a production line is you do very one very small part of a process. Mm-hmm. Where what we're talking about now is getting people to think and 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 do much more than that. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a challenge because general management seems to be yeah seems to be a dying art now because most sectors are becoming very specialised in each of the job roles. Mm-hmm. Having general management or leadership skills which obviously follow on from general management is becoming increasingly difficult to find Mm. such is the nature of sectors becoming much more specialized yeah and but but within that we also need that creativity and that innovation that you talked about as well so we need people to come up with the new wacky ideas otherwise we wouldn't have Mm -hmm. whatsapp or you know (coughs) or the technology that we use or Mm. or hybrid cars or Mm. all of the things that we see coming coming through that are innovative mm-hmm. or as a result of people being a bit wacky and joining yeah. dots that perhaps weren't joined before yeah so we need we need both yeah. yeah what keeps you awake at night mark um what keeps me awake at night we have a lot going on here at Starfline at the moment mm. um so other than two young kids that walk about the house when they should be in bed um <laughs> when they do wake you'd be me amazed up, how <laughs> many people say that <laughs> <laughs> when they do wake me up what i think about is uh, things like um, we're completely transforming our workflows at the moment. So we are moving to a much more digital world, like most businesses embracing artificial intelligence. So we're putting chatbots and AI into the recruitment process. Um, we've got a really smart new customer experience program that is using technology to get customer feedback and insights all the time about whether we're doing a good job. So it's how do we then close the loop of feedback? Because if people are telling us we're doing a great job, we should be going back to them and acknowledging it. And if people are telling us we're scope for improvement, we should be going back to them and acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more focus on employee engagement in the workplace because mm. ultimately, although we're a recruitment business, a big part of what we do for the years to come with the tightest labour market for 40-odd years is um, around retention of workers as much as it is about recruiting the right workers in the first place. Mm. It's, it's how do we help our clients and consult them to make their culture and environment a place that's going to make people want to stay. Mm. Great. Well, Mark, it's been amazing to talk to you today. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Wasn't he great? I can't possibly sum that interview up. We covered just about everything from entrepreneurialism, innovation and creativity, to lean and process and procedures, to psychological safety, communication, resilience, I could go on. Truly, truly exceptional. Mark's not just smart, he's genuine, humble, honest and likeable. And I can't wait to see where his career takes him next. Apart from that, I think I've got enough material there to keep me writing books for quite a few years yet. That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty. Mm -hmm.